Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, the Thriller Podcast. How you doing today, Mike? I'm good because I got to talk with Ward Larson. But Chris, you missed another date with Ward Larson. I think we've had him on three times. Have have you you've been on for one of those, right? One of, I think he's I think he's I think he's actually been on four times. Four times now, yeah. I'm sorry, Ward, if you listen to this. I'm sorry. It's it's not nothing against you. I enjoyed our first <laughs> conversation together. Literally every single I think like the the other whether it's three or, or two other times, you know, it's just been something with my kids when I was sick. So last week, actually, the entire family had got strep. And so I didn't realize it at the time. But when I put my kids to bed that night and I, I just fell asleep, that was the beginning of my sickness. And then it got worse throughout the week. So yep. I'm better now. But, you know, I, all I should say is that we, we need to do, you know, I actually read this book. So we need to sit down and record a podcast about it because I thought it was very good. Yeah, and I'm, I actually haven't even listened to your conversation. I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it when when this publish when you publish this episode. So yeah, we had a blast. You're going to enjoy it too. I'm kind of glad uh, you get to be kind of like a fan of the podcast here and listen to one of our episodes with fresh eyes. And you know what's coming. There's something big in this book, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody. You've got to pick up Deep Fake. Actually, we're also recording this right here. On his publication day, his book came out on March 14th, I guess Pi Day. These authors love Pi Day. You're getting big yeah, releases something. on. Everyone can eat their round treats, learn some mathematical concepts, and have a thriller. I don't know. My school does that. Did your school do that growing up? Now it's a big thing in school. Pi Day is like a holiday where everyone brings in like circular treats, and they get to eat them on Pi Day. It was big in my like grade school. Okay. And then in, in high school, there was one teacher who loved pie day. And so he would, he would bring in like all kinds of pie, pizza. He'd bring in pizza pie, you know, cherry pie. The kids were all jazzed up and sugared up too. I'll be honest with you. And then I asked them to explain to me what pie is and they, they still didn't get it. So like, oh, like, great. the whole point of the celebration is to learn some math here, guys. <laughs> I used to be able to recite it pretty far out now i like know it's like 3.147 um so i will say one of the kids won the pie day contest and got to 300 digits 350 something digits i'm like that's insane 300 digits wow it's not even seven it's 3.14159265359 oh <laughs> look at this guy well you know who has to be good with numbers a pilot because in the cockpit they've got yes. to understand all the data and ward larson Getting back on track here, I ask him, of course, where he's been flying. He makes an apology for Southwest. He was, he was flying during the, the holiday season 2022 with Southwest. Uh, we talked about a lot of things, but nothing more important than Deep Fake. What a book. If you haven't checked it out, definitely grab a copy of this. Ward is moving away from his David Slayton series, which on the podcast we absolutely love. I think a totally underrated series. I see no reason it, it shouldn't be up there with the Mitch Raps, the Scott Harbaths. It's just a great series, uh, the Assassin series featuring David Slayton. But Ward had a story cooking, and we talk about you know those COVID days where the brain was running, and he came up with this plot, wanted to get it out on paper, and man, it is fantastic. Uh, we've got a politician who, Chris, I know you and I would vote for if he were real. We've got a plot twist. I would put it up there with a howdy twist. 
You know, we covered Chris Howdy books. He always gives us the Howdy twist. This book's got one of those. It, it's got a deep fake. I'll put it that way. So guys, check out Deep Fake by Ward Larson. There is a spoiler warning about halfway through our conversation. I'm very clear when the spoiler warning starts because I just had to talk to him about a couple of things he did with this book. So cut it off at the spoiler warning if you did not finish Deep Fake. If you have, I think you'll very much enjoy my chat with Ward Larson. Today, we welcome back to No Limits, the thriller podcast, a very good friend and our first author that we ever had here on No Limits. Welcome back, Ward Larson. Hey, Mike. How are you? Good, good. How you been since we last chatted? Did you say April? Last yes, year? I think it was last April. Been busy, but all is good. All right. And you know, we have to ask you. Uh, you fly anywhere interesting lately? Any good stories? <laughs> crazy passengers? It, you know, not so much interesting, but uh, yeah, I fly for Southwest. I admit it. And I was involved in that whole Christmas meltdown. I was out flying that whole time. So, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, my apologies to anybody out there who was affected by that. We dropped the ball on that one. But uh, I tell you, the line employees, we were out there trying, trying to make it work as best we could. Oh, I believe it. I'm sure it's not the employees on the ground doing the everyday work. I'm sure it's something with management or administration yeah. or something up there. Yeah, they've neglected some things over the years, but uh, yeah, we're, we're getting over it. We're getting past it. You know, I was thinking, I forgot about your connection with Southwest and that was your airline, but I had thought about you when that craziness was going on. I'm like, oh, I wonder yeah. what Ward's take on this would be. <laughs> I, I forgot it was Southwest that you're with. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Okay. Okay. Well, things are back to normal now, right? A little bit better. Yes, they're they're slowly getting better, and I think you know repairs are being made to the system. Yeah, you know, we we got to the point where you know we would get um, some external event, weather or some kind of technology issue, and when that happens, you end up canceling a lot of flights. Which you know that happens all the time. That happens every year to all airlines here and there. But you have to recover from it. You know, you have to be able to get over it. And we didn't have the capacity to do that. And uh, so I, th I think we're, we're fixing it. We've also had these crazy snowstorms up north and some cold snaps rolling in. Do those gen generally have an effect? I haven't gotten involved in those yet. I've been kind of avoiding them. So uh, that hasn't been an issue for me. But, yeah, I, I, I've seen them from down here in sunny Florida. It's actually been warm down here. It's been it's been quite warm for February and March. Yeah, we might uh, get lucky with this one. Our first year, at least in the fifteen plus years I've been in the DC area, with no snow yet. We always have that one or two, couple right. inches, or even a dusting, and and it's been right. zero this year. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, we're here today to talk about a really exciting project for you, a standalone novel. Deepfake is just an absolute must read. It could be up there for one of the books of the year. I mean, there's just been so many, but I'm really excited to talk to you today about this shift away from David Slayton temporarily, because yes. I know we're getting the Assassin series back later in the year, and we can definitely yes, talk we about that. But where did this idea come from to move away from your main character and storyline and come up with this explosive plot for a standalone novel, Deepfake? 
Well, the plug itself was kind of cooking in the back of my head for a year, but that's that's one of the things you have, you know, as a writer is you get involved in series and that's kind of what the publisher wants. So you get these other ideas that you'd like to develop and, you know, make a book out of. But a lot of times you just don't have the time or the backing to do it. So I, I kind of got lucky in a way that uh, COVID came along because, and I think I might have mentioned this last year where the airlines were, I was still fly for the airlines. So, you know, that's my second full-time job. But uh, they were overstaffed during COVID because, you know, flying fell off a cliff. So they gave everybody uh, the option of taking some time off. And I did that. So I, I didn't go out of the house for 11 months. I didn't fly. I pretty much stayed at home because nobody would go out anyway. This is back in, you know, 2020 or 2020, I guess. And uh, I just stayed home for 11 months. I wrote two books and a novella, which just goes to prove you chain a writer to his desk will actually get a lot done. <laughs> so I had the time to do it. And my publisher was gracious enough to say, yeah, we could do two books in a year. So I, I got to do a standalone, which I, I've done one before. They, they let me do that once before, back with Cutting Edge about five years ago. But uh, yeah, so I got to do this book and I uh, got that idea in my head. I got to put it to paper and it was fun. It's really refreshing as a writer to kind of get off base and do something a little different. Not that I don't enjoy writing the Slate books, but uh, it's kind of a, re- a reset to, to do something a little different. When a pilot's not flying, they're cooking up stories about how, <laughs> you know, deep <laughs> undercover agents could bring down America. Yeah, yeah, those yeah, those long flights. You got to do something up there. Why not plot? Oh, that's good. Well, yeah, I mean, just listen to this blurb on your website for this book. Absolute power meets the Manchurian candidate in this explosive political thriller from USA USA Today bestselling author Ward Larson. Wow, absolute power, Manchurian candidate. You're being compared <laughs> to some heavy hitters here. I saw another one that said it's like Mitch Rapp meets the Manchurian candidate. Some of these things, have they influenced you in the way you tell stories and the way you bring these threats to the forefront of your books? You know, you know it's funny, the Mitch Rapp quote you talk about. I'm not sure where that came from. That was going to be on the cover for a while, but then somebody from Matrix kind of saw it somehow and said, you know, it almost makes it sound like it's a Mitch Rapp book. And I, and I didn't, you know, when we came up with it, I didn't really read it that way because this was by my publisher who came up with that uh, quote. And I was like, yeah, I guess you could see it that way. So we actually didn't put that one on the cover of the oh, book okay. for that reason, because they didn't want to, you know, make it sound like it's actually a Mitch Rapp book. We were just trying to compare it to that, you know, iconic character. So, yeah, which makes sense with some of the action scenes. And uh, I think I saw that from Goodreads. So I think it was just a fan that was making that comparison. And, and they're spot okay. on. And later oh, okay. on, we're going to get to a spoiler section. We could dig into the actual characters and the plot. And and guys, if you haven't read it yet and you're listening to this, you must. We'll tell you when to pause for the spoilers because there's a character that's very much straight out of the Vince Flynn universe in in the way it's he's crafted and some of the politicking on Capitol Hill. And it's just really amazing uh, how you did that. But that's going to come later in the spoiler section. So you talked about this plot line's been cooking. Where do you even begin thinking about a plot that's this long in the making. I mean, it's almost, and here's another tagline, the cold war is back, but for some, it never ended. Right. Where did all this come from? And I know you can't be too specific yet, but it, it, did it all come at once? Was it an aha moment? This is deep fake connection or was it slow to, to simmer? 
I think it was slow. I think it was bits and pieces and it kind of came together. And sometimes when you're putting together a plot like that, you know, you have this kind of general idea of, uh, you know, how the, the main part of the plot goes. And you know, other things just sort of tend to fall in place. And uh, the whole Cold War thing, that kind of just fell in place because, you know, just you look at how old these people were when they grew up and what environment they grew up in. Some of the characters in the book grew up back during the Cold War. And that was a very different, you know, time in Russia and a very different emphasis by the government over there. So, uh, you know, the first part of this book, you really don't see the big connection to it, but uh, eventually you do. And so, yeah, it's, you know, there is a definite connection to the Cold War. And uh, I guess that's where it came from. But yeah, it's bits and pieces. They kind of come together here and there. And it really is satisfying as a writer when, you know, you get that aha moment. Well, yeah, I could connect this to that. And it all sort of, flows in together. It doesn't always work that way. Sometimes you got to work for it, but yeah, it's satisfying when it does come together. Yeah. We've already compared it to the Manchurian candidate or Mitch Rapp, but another one that comes to my mind is the Americans. How that transports you back to cold war era, suburbia outside Washington, DC, actually, I think it was also set in Fairfax. Did you see that show? Uh, But yeah, I didn't see the whole thing, but yes, I did see quite a few episodes of it. I, I couldn't stop making comparisons between some of the things going on there with the illegal program. And you can read mm-hmm. all about these long-term plans from the Russians. And there was this other one. My wife works for Johns Hopkins at their school of international studies. And recently one of the alumni who she's been in contact with, you know, at, through the alumni office, he was caught as a deep cover plant who got his degree from Hopkins in international relations, but now the Russians were trying to get him a position at the Hague and they wanted to get him involved and he was almost going to get hired and he had a position there and he was moving uh, out to the Netherlands and the Dutch intelligence services caught him. And I think it was at an airport. They saw that he had notes on him of his backstory. He was an orphan. He was raised in Brazil, but he also spoke Chinese and Portuguese and uh-huh. He also knew Russian and people thought he was Russian, but he tried to say he was Brazilian and his story was all mixed up. They took him in and it turns out he was a Russian plant and they activated him to try to get him in The Hague to to have some eavesdropping on what what conversations are being had uh, around Ukraine. And I feel like a plot line like that is so close to some of the storylines that you've created and specifically yeah. the one here in Deep Fake. Like, I think one of the things it brings up, and I've always felt this, is that the Russians, and to a lesser degree the Chinese, they're very good at playing the long game. They had these authoritarian figures in power who were looking, you know, a generation ahead, whereas we never looked more than, you know, two years, one election cycle ahead. And so we really have trouble playing the long game in many parts of our government or intelligence agencies because we're always so caught up in the moment and the near term. So they're much better in us than, than waiting things out, having the patience and really letting long-term ploys like that play out. Yeah, I think patience is the word there because these are countries with thousands of years and tens of thousands of years of empire. And yeah. we've been experimenting for nearly 300 and doing that. And so, yeah, the patience, the long game, long-term planning and a political system that, that favors that. Yeah, and you can see it today because Putin really isn't worried about not being in power 10 years from now. If, he, if he's not, then it's probably going to be very bad for him. But he can he can play this Ukraine thing for as long as he wants. He really doesn't have a lot of you know immediate pressure to back off. 
And whereas the West is probably going to grow tired of it more quickly. So he's playing that long game. That's what he wants to do is wait us out in Ukraine. And, uh, you know, he may do it. Time will tell. It's crazy. Just today, I'm a geography teacher and it's a middle school classroom, but we're talking the Cold War. To the kids, I said, hey, you know, during this whole time period we're studying, you know who's rising through the ranks in the KGB and who's really honing his skills as an intelligence officer and a spy and, you know, getting promoted and really running a lot of Soviet intelligence. I'm like, who's that? I go, well, it's a name you might recognize, Vladimir Putin. And they're like, what? And so even, <laughs> even these young kids could pick up on, that's crazy how so much of his presidency and prime ministership is related to this Cold War era, as we're talking about. And yeah. it, it comes to a head in your book. You know, the two merge, the past and the present, and it leads to this ex- dynamic plot that has real ramifications. So you decided to put this book during an election cycle. And I've been clamoring for that lately in a few different series we read, even on the podcast doing Kyle Mills, Mitch Rapp storylines. And Brad Thor books and, and even the Jack Carr books, which have been pretty light on the president and executive office side of things. I really appreciate how this book put us inside the beltway during an election cycle. Who are the power players? How are they posturing? What was your research like to really nail the the buzz in D.C. during an election yeah. cycle? Well, it was back in early 2020, I wrote this. So it was kind of during an election cycle that us all kind of hit my word processor. So it was going on, you know, in the background. So I was kind of following it from a distance. And uh, I, I think it's a couple of things. I, I kind of got to think, one thing I do is I don't get political. I'm not Democrat or Republican. I just stay away from that. That's not the point of the whole thing. Right. The point of this is, you know, how well do we know these people who were electing into government? In this day and age, so much of it is drawn from social media. You know, it, it's not. And, and how true is that? We all know and deep fake itself, the term deep fake. You know, you can make up anything you want about anybody. And, and you know, what can you believe? Can we see what we're what we're seeing online and what we're reading online? So it's that's a big part of the book is trying to you know determine do we really know these people and somebody like you know the character in the book Bryce Ridgeway he's a you know he's a secondary political player he's a congressman and he's you know successful but he just started out but then something happens that vaults him overnight into this sensation on social media and his name recognition goes off the chart. And, uh, you know, and we do as humans, we, we do that. We fall for that kind of thing. We always have. Yeah. And the, the, the electronics, the social media has just kind of accelerated that whole trend. So that was a big part of the, the idea behind the book is how, how fragile that is, that the way we, we evaluate these people. And let's uh, say about that. Go go to the most recent election, George Santos. I, I mean, was just about you know, to say. Here we are. Who knew <laughs> that guy? I mean, who did the Oppo research there? His entire resume was a fraud, and nobody figured it out until after the election. <laughs> the, yeah, the way you were talking, I was just about to say, and no, George Santos is not the main character in Deep <laughs> no. But it just goes to prove. <laughs> Oh, it's it's like, honestly, that's almost like we're watching something out of a movie or reading a book. It's just yeah. that bizarre. It's just insane. And you wrote that book. You 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 knew that was coming. And, and you wrote that in 2020. <laughs> and then this happens two and two years later, two and a half years later. 
It's yeah. like all these other authors predicting the future. Like we call Kyle Nostradamus, you know, with <laughs> he's predicted. Yeah. You know, we're talking about DC and inside the beltway. I might as well make a plug here before we really get into the spoiler section. You also have a David Slayton book coming out later in the year. Am I right? That also is taking place in DC and, and definitely also involves a president from what I saw in the blurb. Uh, the beginning of the book. Yes. Yeah. It does have some, a DC aspect and some, political aspect, but yeah, it's, it's a Slayton book at heart, and Slayton doesn't spend much time in D.C. A lot of it's set in the Far East, and that's where he uh, heads off to. But uh, yeah, the, the beginning definitely takes place in D.C. All right, and that one is called Assassin's... That is Assassin's Mark. Assassin's Mark, and am I right, yeah. November? November 28th, yep. yep. Okay, great. Well, Ward, I really want to ask you some deep questions about deep fake. So let's give a spoiler warning here. If you haven't read the book, pick it up. Oh, and there is the audio version coming out on publication date as well. I heard the little yes. snippet of that. Have you worked with this mm -hmm. narrator before? This is a different uh, guy. I usually have a guy named PJ Auckland read the assassin books, but we thought for the standalone, it might be a good idea to use somebody different. So that we additioned a couple of people and uh, this is the, the film that we came up with. And yeah, I like it. Yeah, I listened to that one-minute teaser uh, that was posted on your social media and, and I think on the website, yeah. and it brought me back to a really early but very important conversation uh, of, of Bryce Ridgway's wife. And so a lot of this book has these clues. There's seeds being planted and bread. Oh, yeah. There's a trail for the reader, and I don't think I picked up on that. And then once this reveal happened, it was so much fun to go back and – and look for the breadcrumbs you left for us. So, yeah, spoiler warning, here we go. Deep fake is not what we thought it was. Where did this come from to make a real-life deep fake, to have a deep sleeper agent who is someone's twin, who is groomed for the presidency? That is just, it's incredible. I've, I've never heard of a story like this, and it really took me aback. So what was it like creating this big reveal? Yeah, well, you know, the, just that—that's the big, you know, that's the big plot behind it—is you know the, the evil twin kind of thing, and you know, could you really pull that off? So you kind of take that, you know, that main element, and then go back and say, well, how could I pull it off? You know, and you, you can go back, and a lot of the story is told through his wife's point of view and right. his daughter, and uh, and just you know, and you think, well, could you be married to somebody like that and not know how how difficult would it be for them to impersonate? So, and you know, during the book, I have them mainly separated after that point where he takes the place of the guy. He really kind of keeps his distance and he's not around the house much. And, you know, you figure out, well, that's why eventually, because he's he knows it's not going to work forever. But, you know, he can't pull this off with her forever and ever because it's just not going to work. But, he's you know, he just wants to get elected and then he'll deal with the rest later. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's hard when you, when you have that big reveal in the middle to leave the bread breadcrumbs as you say but not give it away too early so right. you got to kind of do a little maybe misleading and you know his wife's wondering is it the headaches is it the, the blast he was subject to is he having an affair all these things and uh you know you kind of think as she would think you know what the heck's going on something's not right but i can't think what it is and who would think what it really is right you know i, I there was actually something very different that started getting me thinking that way it was when deep fake in terms of a deep fake video 
was mentioned so early in the beginning, mm-hmm. I said to myself, I said, I, I think that's a ruse. I, I think that's a distraction <laughs> because, you know, one of the one of the characters, I think someone in the political office is like, oh, it could be a deep fake video where someone makes a fake video about right. someone. I'm like, yeah. that's not going to be it. I was like, <laughs> that's too easy. <laughs> it's too easy. Ward's got something in store for us. And so I, and then I, I clued in. And it's funny because an early one about the scar read very just like strange. It's this interaction with yeah. your wife and he comes yeah. back from a run and his leg is cut. She's like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't see that. And I, you sure you don't need to go get that looked at? He's like, no, it's fine. Uh, I was like, something just you don't know what's happening, but something yeah. just sits uneasy with you. So it's almost like you're in the wife's uh, perspective. You're in her shoes because yeah. she's uneasy. We as the reader are uneasy, and you're taking right. us on that trip. Right. And that was the end of chapter one. So, yeah, right off the bat, you know, she's starting to feel like, that's not right, but uh, that's okay. You know, I'm having a bad day. I will say, I then, with his the big one where she puts it together is his shoulder, his combat injury where he can't use one arm. Yeah, right. Yet, and, and then there's a bunch of people looking at the videotape, playing it over and over and I'm waiting for them to see that one detail and nobody sees it earlier on, but it's the wife later in the book who picks yeah. up on it yeah. again. That's the reader because I felt like I was in the detective's office watching this replay 70, 80, a hundred times yeah. racking my brain. Yet I just don't see it yeah. when the wife sees it. We also see it because she knows him so intimately. It just yes. stands right out to her, but everybody else, nobody else really knows his limitations like she does. So, yeah. I think that's going to make this a very fun book to reread. I think I would really have fun going back. Yeah. It's like a movie, right? Once you know the twist in the final plot, yeah, you can go back and, and what the actors are doing and how they're pulling it off. It, it is extraordinary. And I think we would see that rereading this book. Hopefully, yeah. That's the kind of book I was trying to write. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. And then there's also Mandy, um, a character who gets written. Oh, and by the way, what a coincidence. Uh, did you see that email I had written you about Mandy Trainer, her last name? Oh, no. I, I have a I have an in-law named Trainer, so that's where I got the name Trainer from. That's so funny. Yeah, and it's a unique spelling with T-R-E-A-N-O-R. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. my wife's name. and her family name, and the funny thing is, they live in Fairfax County, where Bryce Ridgeway would be the congressman representing the <laughs> <That's> district. <funny. laughs> yeah, pure coincidence. <laughs> so there are real trainers living. There in are on my wife's side of the family. Yes, they're from Grand Rapids. Yeah, on both our ends. That's too funny. Yeah, a lot of people hear the name and they think trainer spelled like you know sports training yeah. or sneakers. Yeah. So Mandy is great and. Bryce absolutely respects her. She respects him. They have a really good professional relationship and she's just kick-ass at her job as the campaign manager. Right. And right, right. eventually possibly angling to be a larger chief of staff or get him on a committee position and have yeah. more power. Kind of curious your decision to, I would say drop her, but looking back post reveal, it makes sense. Yes. Add a character yeah. for Bryce. Was that yeah. something you were going for? Uh, yeah, it is out of character for him. So that's just another unease for the reader because it seems like he has a good relationship with this woman. She really likes him and this just hits her out of the blue. And he, you know, he, he, he they offer her a job. The RNC offers him 
offers her a job saying we'll keep her on you know we just can't have her on the forward operating team but we'll keep her on give her a job somewhere and then he tells her no we just got to make it a clean cut so he's being duplicitous in there so you can you don't know why but you can tell he's dumping her and you can't really see a good reason for it because she's a good employee and you know so you know that's just one more little breadcrumb as you say I think that's where I started putting it together because I was like, I know politics change people and the spotlight. If it's on you and in your head is just blowing up thinking about all the possibilities for your future, it's very easy to forget the people who helped you get there and the yes. ones who made that possible. But something told me the real Bryce Ridgeway, he wouldn't be so quick to toss her out. He was set up to be such a noble patriotic person and the ideal congressman that, that we all need right now. And so when he tossed her aside, I was thinking, I'm like, I know politics corrupts, but I think what I needed in Bryce Ridgeway was the stand-up guy who wouldn't be corrupted by it. <laughs> and so the reveal was even more sweet because I knew my Bryce, the real Bryce. The real Bryce wouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Do we need a Bryce Ridgeway? Did you have any thought in your mind that this character, the real one, is someone you'd vote for or someone we should have? Yeah, he's someone I'd like to have, no doubt about it. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, and I, you always hear about the 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 not so great people in politics, but there's some good ones. I really believe there are some good ones out there. Um, <laughs> they they don't stand out. They don't make the news because you know they're doing the right thing. They're doing their job. Or, staying out of trouble and you know it's easy to lose track of that but i think there are some good people in it yeah and that's what i was thinking of before with the vince flynn connection is that a hallmark of his books was the scumbags on capitol hill and always his villains or secondary villains were in bed with these politicians right and so bryce made me think of michael o'rourke an early vince flynn character who is a congressman who, who didn't care he didn't care about politics even the president calling him up as a freshman congressman, trying to tell him to vote for his budget, it didn't work on him. He, you know, he said, I'm going to do what's best for my constituents. And I feel like that's something Bryce Ridgway would have done. So it's kind of cool seeing these characters we we pine for in fiction books. Yeah. I got to ask you to bring up the Vince Flynn. What do you think? Kyle's, Kyle's semi-retiring. Well, he's retiring from the series. Don's yeah. gonna take him over. That's a that's a major thing. I mean, that's those are big shoes to fill. I think Don's going to do a good job. I, yeah, I gotta say, Chris and I we're we're grappling with it. We're working through it. Yeah, obviously we'll miss Kyle, but but you know when 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 Kyle took it over, everybody was oh, I don't know. He's not right. going to be Ben Flynn, and then he took it over. You know, everybody loves what he's doing with it. So you know, I think it's going to work out. And we owe that to Don Bentley, right? Like there's no reason or indication that he's not going to just run with this thing and do justice to Vince and, you know, pick up the mantle from that Kyle left. And yeah, I, I think we have to come at it with an open mind and Hey, more Mitch rap. I'll take more Mitch rap. Right. So yeah, we're, I'm curious. We haven't asked any author about this, but were you kind of shocked by that? Is it something you would understand when you're writing or you're a steward of someone else's universe that you are kind of yearning to go back to your own roots and storytelling? Yeah. I mean, I, I've never been asked to do that. I've considered it. I, I 
never pursued it. Um, you know, looking at it from Kyle's point of view, he's been doing Metrap a long time. And he has a lot of his own books out there, and I'm sure he has a lot of his own ideas he'd like to pursue. And, you know, at this point, he's, you know, made a name for himself, and he could do that. So I, I'm not surprised that he, you know, gave it up. There's, you know, certainly a lot of, of pressure with that. It's it's hard. Like, I know Mark Cameron did the Clancy thing, and he was doing one of his own books. So he's doing two books a year, and that's that's hard to do, to really do well. So Vince has just kept, or Kyle has just kept it to the one, you know, Metrap book a year and not done his own stuff for a long time. So, no, I'm not surprised he's, you know, taking a break and going off and doing his own stuff. I, I, I think he, I think he should, I think he wants to, and I think he's earned that. Yeah. Um, as to Don, you know, I, I, I think Don's going to do fine. I, I, I think we got to give him a chance. I think he's going to do great. Yeah. And also I'm curious to hear how he'll balance the now three series. Uh, yeah. That he's doing. Well, he may not do them all for life. I mean, I he can only do so much. <laughs> he may drop part of that. Right. I have a feeling he'll do his own series, but you know what you should try and do sometime uh, after maybe near or before or after this next one comes out, Code Red, is uh, get both those guys on the show. Get them to talk about that. You know, I'd really like that. Yeah, I'm going to reach out to Simon Schuster and David. That'd be a whole lot of fun to get. Wouldn't it to get them on the same time? Yeah, uh, it really, really would like that. I think after Code Red makes sense. Things might settle down a little bit for yeah. Kyle. Yeah. Transition, that'd be the perfect time after Code Red for the right. transition. And that's one thing we actually said on one of our episodes re- uh, reflecting on this this news was, where is Code Red going to leave the universe? We're moving on from the Cooks, the, the presidential administration. Does Kyle try to craft a new one that Don has to accept? Or does he leave a blank canvas to make a president? And, you know, someone like Irene Kennedy, spy master. Yeah. Do, does Kyle decide what she does? Because she's torn between private sector or public sector or even retirement. I, he, I, he could really throw some grenades on his way out, couldn't he? <laughs> I think he's going to leave a blank canvas. So I think Code Red's going to be a great book. But yeah. I am curious about how much you try to advance versus how much you leave the door open. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, that'd be fun to get the two of them on. We'll definitely have them both on. I wonder if we can schedule it together. Good suggestion there. I bet they'd be amenable to it. I'm sure we'd have some good laughs, too. <laughs> I'm sure. You know, we had a good time with Brad Thor. Have you ever yeah. talked with Brad? We had a great I don't know Brad, no. He's, he's one I don't know very well. Okay. Yeah, he, he was a whole lot of fun. And, I mean, we're also on our season two going through the Scott Harvath series. So... We love some David Slayton. We love some Mitch Rapp, some Scott Harvath, even James Reese. Do you have more plans for a standalone book like this? Do you see a second Bryce Ridgway story or even his wife's story? Because she's a main character. This was always a standalone just because of the, you know, the way it ended. With Bryce, being, I really wanted to just kind of make it a one month deal. That's that. Okay, right. So I got another Slayton book coming out. After that, I'm, I'm talking to the publisher. I may start a new series. I haven't quite got mm. final answer on it yet, but it's possible I'm going to start something new, similar to the Slayton series. Okay. All right. Very interesting. I also noticed uh, your website mentioned an option with Amber Entertainment. Is there any movement on? Uh... Yeah, that's been that's that expired. I, I, there was option for the series was option for a film a while back. It came very close to actually being done over in France, and <laughs> of all things, it was scuttled by a terrorist attack. 
it was one it was one signature away from being filmed over in Paris. And it was back when they had that a t- the terrorist attack on a theater in Paris about eight or nine years ago. Really? And the French got, and it was SNDM6, which is the French BBC, it's the French National Film Arm. And they said, oh, I don't think we want to film a movie about terrorism in Paris right now. So they backed out of it. Oh, wow. Gee. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a storyline from a book. <laughs> yeah. A little poetic justice, I guess. Yeah. Terrorists and thrillers shot My down God. by terrorists. <laughs> wow. Well, anything else you want to tell us about Deep Fake? We do recommend everyone pick this book up. Obviously, if you're still here, you most likely have because now you know the story. But anything else you want readers to know going into Deep Fake? I'm just really looking forward to hearing what people think and uh, getting the book out there another week or so. What an incredible idea. I mean, who knows? Maybe there's a politician out there right now who's a deep fake. We wouldn't even know it. <laughs> Thanks, Ward, for talking to us. We always love having you on, and we hope to bring you back once Assassin's Mark is out later this year. I'll be here. Thanks a lot, Mike. All right. We need to thank our patrons, which, speaking of patrons, for less than the price of a novel, you can support our podcast and be the reason we can make more podcasts. Just head over to thrillerpod.com, click on that Patreon tab to learn more. I need to thank them. Jerry F., our special operator, our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Dawn, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review, five stars only, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can find us at thrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Insta at thrillerpodcast. And as always, fly Southwest. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) And as always, fly Southwest. One day I'm going to hear Ward come over, you know, the PA on a flight. and I'm just going to lose my mind. (laughs) 